This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Good morning and welcome to The Morning Beat. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a fantastic show coming up for you. Major, major breaking news. The world's first woman potentially cured of HIV. Uh, we've had a, two or possibly three men over the course of you know years uh, who have said to have been cured. But this is a woman uh, who has potentially been cured. She's in remission. It's a big, big story. We're talking about it. Also, we're talking about these Donald Trump papers. Where are the papers, Donnie? Donnie, them. where are the papers? He stole them. Are they at Mar-a-Lago? Did they get flushed down a toilet? Where are they? Listen, Don, you answer us. Where are the papers? If you don't answer us, we're going to get answers from Tyler Page, or White House uh, reporter at the Washington Post, because Tyler's going to be calling in again today uh, in our you, second hour to have that conversation for Red, White, and Q. Do you want me to act like Melania to make us look like we're super famous, like we got the exclusive? Okay, so here's how Hello, we'll go. Hello, Tyler. Here's how we'll play it. I'll say, listen, thank you so much for calling in, Tyler. Michaela had to call out sick today. Mm. She is not here. Yes. Uh, however, we do have a guest on the line. We'll put you through. Enter Melania. Hello, Tyler. Mm. It is Melania. Yes, yes. I do not have my papers. Yes. I am being deported. Oh, those papers. Got it. Yeah. yeah that works too. Goodbye. That would be fantastic. Can you imagine? <laughs> goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, I've been wanting her to say goodbye to us for so many years. Uh, it could bye. happen this morning on the morning beat. That and so much more. So stick around. We're going to have a good time. Uh, I just got to say it. Listen, I lived here for 15 years. I've been in Angelino for 15 years. Go off, sissy. I'm going to my first Lakers game tonight. So exciting. How on earth, as a sports fan, I've never been to a Lakers game is beyond me. Every year, I'm like, you know oh, what, I'll though? go, I feel I like don't. that's very common. Yeah. I feel like people that live here don't go. Yeah, people fly here from around the world just to go to Lakers games as a, and then vacation here, but this is our home, and I've never been, so a I'm really excited. Uh, my friend, she works for the Grammys, and they have a private suite, and she said, hey, do you want to be my guest? And I said, yes. <gasps> Also, the be my same guest, friend. Be my guest. Well, you know this friend. She's also in my wedding party, Michaela. So, Ew. as of Cornelia. So, as of right now, she's been on our show. She's a comedian. She's great. I love Cornelia. But as of right now, she's winning the wedding party game. She's not. Okay, because listen, nobody so, cares about the Lakers. The Lakers are going to give you a I, lap dance. LeBron? The Lakers are going to give you what you want, okay? The kid the from Lakers, Akron? Come on. going to happen. When you go on stage, you're getting a lap dance from Tom, Daxter, Rob. You're going to thank me, okay? I'm not worried about it. I'm not threatened. I don't care. Magic Mike, Las yeah. Vegas. You know it. It better happen. And they like gay men. So. I want, but I want Johnny Dutch, and I want Nate. So make that happen. Who's Johnny Dutch? You'd watch the show on HBO Max, you'd know. Why would I watch Johnny it? Johnny Dutch is sexually fluid and uh, biracial and beautiful. Wait, I heard, did they have a lesbian on the show or no? It was just men. Maybe. There's some women in it. 
There are, right? Yeah. They do like aerial work and they MC and all kinds of other stuff. Mm. Yeah. So it's going to be a, a great day. Uh, and now the bar is set. So, Michaela, get to work. Uh, right now, though, it's time for news on the beat. So do that first. Okay. Utah lawmakers advanced a proposal Monday to create a commission of political appointees to make decisions about transgender student athletes participating in youth sports, diving into a heated debate that has taken place in dozens of Republican-led state houses. The idea is the latest attempt by Utah Republicans to add state oversight to youth sports and follows stalled efforts to pass an outright ban. Fights over bans in other state houses have become touchstones for the broader LGBTQ rights movement, sparking legal battles and outcry. Utah's proposed School Activity Eligibility Commission would create criteria and evaluate transgender student-athletes' physical characteristics and how they compare to baseline ranges for their age and gender. Its decision would determine which transgender athletes can participate in all gender-designated youth sports. Though lawmakers have focused on the idea of transgender girls competing in leagues that match their gender identity. I think this is a good thing. I think it makes sense and I think it's a bigger conversation um, that we need to be having when it comes to solutions on how to make it fair for everybody and still make 100% sure that our trans brothers and sisters are included. That part. Okay. Now, let's do a little weather. It's going to be a high of 75 in Palm Springs, 66 in Vegas, 66 in LA, 48 in New York, and a high of 64 in Kansas City. I'll tell you what. I got out of my car yesterday to do Runyon, which I've been really enjoying myself. I did it one time. You did Runyon yesterday? No! I got out of my car, put my sweater on, and I was like, absolutely not. There's no way. It was like legit cold out yesterday. It was so cold. I got back in my car and I left. Uh, Okay, give us a vibe of the day. Have a heart that never hardens, a temper that never tires, and a touch that never hurts. Oh, that's so sweet again. Be kind. Be kind. Good morning, Beat. Channel Q. Okay, so we've talked about this a little bit on the show, um, but... When I got this job, Vanessa, you're new to me. You've only been here for a couple of months on this show. But Michaela sold it to me as this. <laughs> AJ, you'll never believe the sorts of things we get to do at Channel Q. I'm quite the saleswoman. It's I'm not such a family environment. We're so supportive. We go to festivals. We had a house at Coachella. Mm. I got to interview Billie Eilish, Lizzo, the biggest names in the industry. I know that's right. And I'm thinking, like, I've interviewed these people too, but not at a pool in your backyard in, in Coachella. Like, right, you know what I mean? And, and it's just like, oh, let me tell you about, what's the one called uh, Life is Beautiful? All these festivals that I heard about. Gay prides galore. I was like, sign me up. Year contract. <laughs> and then one month later, COVID happened. And I was like, God. what? I was sold a false bill of goods. But, Listen, I felt terrible about that, okay? But, but, these festivals are finally knock on wood, coming back. Yeah. Here's a problem, though, perhaps. I want to hear what you think about this. Coachella and Stagecoach Festivals, both in the Coachella Valley, obviously, have dropped mask and negative COVID test requirements. Uh, and These are two of the biggest festivals in the entire uh, United States. And now they said, here's their, here's their admission update. As we prepare to spend an incredible weekend in the desert together, we are announcing that there will be no vaccination testing or masking requirements at Stagecoach 2022 in accordance with local guidelines. That's Stagecoach. Not even a vaccination required. What do you think about that? So I'd like to bring something up. I saw a lot of people that have not been vaccinated make the comparison that 
L.A. had the Super Bowl at SoFi Stadium where nobody wore masks, yet their children in schools yeah. still have to wear masks. And I think that the point that's being missed is those people at SoFi Stadium have been vaccinated. And that's why you get vaccinated, so you can now go places without a mask and without testing. Yes. And if you're not vaccinated, that's on you. So with Coachella and Stagecoach, I actually think... It's incredible. I think they should drop it. If you've been vaccinated, if you have been responsible, if you've done what you have needed to do, I feel like you absolutely should be able to go and live your best life because the only people uh, that I feel like really are still in danger are people that are yet to be vaccinated. Well, that's the issue of stagecoach, though. They're not requiring vaccinations for anybody. No proof of vaccination. But also, that's then on the people that are not vaccinated. That is the risk that they get to take. Because I will say on a personal level, and I think some of our listeners will agree, I have done everything I was supposed to do. I also still got COVID in December, and I was really, really sick. But at what point are we going to make COVID like the flu? I will get my yearly vax vaccinations like you do with the flu. I know that the people in my life will as well. But at some point, we have to get back to regular life. And that's not to be um, harsh, but it's been two years. And honestly, people's mental health cannot take another year. Mine cannot take another year. I'm with you on that one. I think that the... uh, I struggle with this one a little bit. I I hear you completely. And I want to get back to normal life too. It feels like... The vaccine requirements made sense for the first like six months to a year, right? To get this thing under control and to get like some sort of herd immunity sort of going, right? Mm -hmm. And at this point, like for instance, went to dinner last night. We went to, we went on a delayed Valentine's Day. We always go to like the day after Valentine's Day because it's too busy on Valentine's Day. So we went out to one of our favorite little Thai restaurants last night. Only seven or eight tables in the whole restaurant, but we love it there. And they require proof of vaccination when you walk in. Cool. Well, I slided through these two vaccine cards I have on my phone, and they're both our old vaccination records. They don't have our boosters on there. They've never updated for some reason. And really? We're, yeah, and we were okay. And they're like, cool, great. And that's the thing. Like, after six months, if you're supposed to get a booster, you're supposed to get whatever, you could just show them an old vaccination, and they don't care. They're not checking the dates. They're not saying, how recent is this? Is this, act? oh, it expired three days ago. You're not vaccinated anymore. Right. Because after the initial like year of vaccinations, after that initial round right. where everybody had to prove they're vaccinated, now everybody's on these weird wonky schedules. So many people got vaccinated the first couple of weeks you were able to, and then they got their follow-up when they were able to, right? So we're all on a similar sort of schedule. Now, as we go further and further down the road, Everybody's schedules are all over the place. People don't all get their flu shots at the same time. Some get no. them in September and October. Some get them December, January, February. Like, so I feel like we can't really require vaccines forever. Yeah. I Look, I just... And I'll get mine. I don't mind getting boosted every year. Yeah. I think that we have to really start moving forward. And I think that all the people that did what they were supposed to do should be able to live their life. If you're not vaccinated and you want to go to Stagecoach, that is on you. It's the same way that if you don't get your flu shot and you get the flu, 
That's also on Just you. Just don't get sick and hold up hospital beds so that I can't go there if I need to for some other reason. That 100%. is my only concern. But I will yeah. say that I, and that's a great point, but I will say that the people that have been vaccinated aren't en- ending up in the hospital. Uh-huh. Knock on wood. Yes. I got to stay home cozy on my couch yeah. because I did what I was supposed to do. And you Netflixed and chilled. And I Netflixed and chilled. Yeah. And honestly, I looked at it as a vacation because I wouldn't take one either way. I have to get sick to have a vacation. That's not good to admit. So this What's Poppin' uh, is potentially taking a twist that nobody ever saw coming. And this actually could be one of the saddest What's what's Poppin's I think we've ever done. Michaela, what do you have for us? Yeah, it's really dark. So we were all devastated uh, when we found out that Bob Saget had died. It was very unexpected. He was on tour. It felt like everything was okay. And then we woke up shortly after the news of Betty White saying Bob Saget Bob Saget had died and uh now there's a new report because it was said that he had no drugs, no alcohol in his body. He must have hit his head even like on the headboard, decided to fall asleep. Yeah, and we all picture like you bump your head. But we also thought yeah. it was a bit weird because we were yeah. like how concerned do we need to be? Yes, we had a whole segment with the doctor about it. Yeah. Like, like if I slip and fall and hit my head on the sink when I'm getting out of the shower, that's like what kind do we of, need to know? What do you do, right? There is now news, and health experts are demanding answers about the cause of Bob Saget's death after an autopsy report found his injuries much more significant than initially believed. Saget's injuries stretched from the back to the front of his skull with additional fractures above his eye sockets. One doctor said his head trauma appeared consistent with taking a baseball bat to the skull or falling 20 to 30 feet. Wow. His death was ruled an accident with no suspected foul play, though some are now questioning otherwise. He was found dead in his hotel room at the Ritz-Carlton in Orlando on January 9th after performing a stand-up comedy show. At the Ritz-Carlton, it's not like it was like a Motel 6 somewhere. Right. Where, like, if, if there is foul play... But he was 65 years old, so any injuries like that could be difficult. I will say, though, um, Bob Saget was a really dark comedian. I thought he was incredible. I thought he was so, so funny. But his comedy uh, was very... Uh, dark and maybe it could appear that maybe he could have upset somebody. And now that I'm just trying to think about yeah, I it, I mean, of course, everybody. And this, this is all speculation, of course. But every, that's what your mind does. Your mind starts to try to fill in the blanks and figure out what could have possibly happened. Like who on earth could have been involved in this in any way, shape, or form? Well, I mean, listen. The grim picture is that he fractured his skull in multiple places and sustained bleeding across both sides of his brains. That's not that a hit on the headboard. From bumping your head. And also, that's not even a bump that happens in the shower. A bump that happens if you trip on the floor. If it appeared that you look like you've been hit with a baseball bat, was he? And framed in his bed? Well, and this is interesting, too, because now his family uh, is, is working to sort of conceal all of this, correct? They're suing to block the release of the death investigation records. His family is. And that's just really, really terrifying. Kelly Rizzo and Bob Saget's three daughters, they're suing Orange County Sheriff and the medical examiner's office to keep the investigation into the comedian's death confidential. And why is that? I don't know. What do they know? I, I, it, it, could, it, it could be many things. It could be that that they actually know the truth. It could be that they don't. 
and maybe they do know the truth and don't want his legacy tarnished, who knows what the reason could be. Uh, it could be that they're just very private and they don't want anybody to know their business. But there's a lot of questions here, and there's there are more and more by the day. I, You know, I will say that if it were a situation um, that he was doing... Let's just say, for example, like he was in the mob or something and you want people to know or he owed somebody money or and they well, knew that. These are, yeah, these are like the things you think of I mean, from the, watching films. My therapist films. says it best. Yeah. When you don't have an answer, you make one up and that's what you live and by. And Michaela's also Italian, so she goes to mob. <laughs> I did. I was like, casino. But this is all, it's all real. Like there there are, there are fewer answers and, and more questions by the hour. A thousand percent. It's you so know. it's so interesting. So we'll continue keeping you updated, but it's devastating news. All right, coming up, is the White House misogynistic? Why Hillary was railed about her emails, but Trump appears to be getting away scot-free. We talk about it in Red, White, and Q in our next hour. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. The Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela, Channel Q. That's right. We're the Morning Beat. What do you What do you got to say about it? What do you got to say about it? First well. of all, I, here's what I've got to say about it. I did a sound bath last night. Okay, okay, here goes. That was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was uh, below Yamashiro, below the Magic Castle. It's a restaurant up the Hollywood Hills, for and, those of you who don't live here. While I was there, I went in to fulfill my spirit, cleanse my soul. <laughs> I felt comfortable. I was very excited. Tell me why the minute I walk in, there's this super fine six foot six black man with the deepest voice serving affirmations. And all I wanted to do was call you and FaceTime. I, I, my mind veered from this incredible experience to AJ would lose his mind. And what makes it even better is his partner, the girl who runs it, Looks like me. And all I wanted to do was call you and Lisa and be like, you guys, this is iconic right now. And also, the guy looks, looks like, like my fiancé. Yes, he does look He's like a He's got full-on braids. He puts it in a messy bun and he has a big beard. He looks just like my fiancé. I mean, I know not as your hot, type of course. so well. But and yeah. I was like, AJ would be losing his turns mother-loving out, mind Turns right out now. he's also a former NFL football player, so... Wow. Listen, I can't wait to bring you and Lisa and Emil to this next sound bath. I'm going to be so We're cleansed. Going. You're going to be so Wait, cleansed. Wait, Emil's coming? 
Emil gets to come. <laughs> of course he is. He's probably listening right now. And He's going to look at his twin. His straight up, twin. Drawing up divorce papers as Never. we speak. Never. Uh, this hour on the morning beat, we're going to be joined by Tyler Pager from the uh, Washington Post. He's a White House reporter talking to us about these Trump papers that seem to have gone missing. Joe Biden's trying to get his hands on them. Donald Trump is flushing them down the toilet at Mar-a-Lago, apparently. We don't know. Uh, we're going to get the latest, though, from Tyler coming up this hour. How on earth is Hillary Clinton dragged, dragged for her emails, which which had like recipes for pies and stuff, by the way. Crazy. Uh, and sat in front of a Senate Judiciary Committee for 11 hours and testified. And Donald Trump gets away with just hiding and flushing things down the toilet. Yet his supporters still support him. I don't understand it's it. It's unbelievable. So we're what having the conversation. Have a conversation. We're going to do that this hour. Right now, though, it's time for news on the beat. What's the latest? All right, research had said. Re, I'm sorry. Researchers said Tuesday that a woman of mixed race has become the third person ever cured of HIV. Her recovery involved a transplant method using umbilical cord blood, which is more widely available than the adult stem cells needed for bone marrow transplants, and doesn't have to match as closely to the recipient. Now, the case could expand the possibility of curing millions more, especially people of color. The case could expand the possibility of curing millions more, especially people of color. Did you just say that twice? Did you just repeat that same oh, line? I did. The line was written <laughs> we get twice. It. We get it. People of color are going to be cured. That's fantastic. I'm sorry. Now, the unidentified woman who is past middle age and also had leukemia was treated with cord blood from a partially matched donor for her cancer. A close relative also gave her blood to boost her temporary immune defenses as the transplant took root. HIV is believed to progress differently in women compared to men, but women uh, compromise only 11% of cure trial participants despite making up a little more than half of the world's HIV cases. Listen, I said it twice because it was that nice. It is incredible to think that there could finally be some sort of cure um, for people uh, with HIV. I think that it's been a long time coming. And it's so interesting. I've heard so much about stem cell um, research. At one point, it really, it's super expensive. Mm-hmm. But I really wanted to be able to do it when I had knee surgery to sort of make my my knee the healing, heal again. Yes. Um, and to know that umbilical cord blood is like, yeah. what is the thing? You know, you cut babies thousands of times a day from their mama's umbilical cord, never thinking. You could use that. That could be the thing. Could be right underneath our noses the entire time. This is really fascinating too and I'm so glad that you brought up that only 11% of the women, the people in the study are actually female, although they make up half the cases worldwide and the fact that she's biracial because there's there's historically an underrepresentation of people of color uh, in these types of studies. We've seen, seen it with the COVID vaccines as well. So this could actually be a huge, huge, huge day uh, in the fight to end the HIV AIDS epidemic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's get into some weather. It's going to be a high of <clears throat> 66 in LA, 66 in Vegas, 75 in Palm Springs, 48 in New York, and a high of 75 in Cathedral City, 75 in La Quinta. Now give us a vibe of the day, please. Have a heart that never hardens, a temper that never tires, and a touch that never hurts. Amen. Love that. All right, coming up is the White House misogynistic. Why Hillary was railed about her emails, but Trump appears to be getting away scot-free. We talked to a political expert. The Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela, Channel Q. I am American. The morning beat. It's time for another round of red, white, and Q. And one of the topics everyone's talking about right now is uh, reporting that 
Uh, former President Donald Trump uh, being accused by some former staff members of the White House for clogging up toilets by flushing documents. Uh, we now know that he took uh, all sorts of boxes of paperwork and documents, possibly some classified, maybe not. Uh, to Mar-a-Lago, people are asking a lot of questions right now. We have a lot of, uh, hopefully we're going to get some answers today because I have a lot of questions. So we're joined now by Tyler Pager, White House reporter at the Washington Post. Tyler, how big is this story and do you think we're going to get any answers anytime soon? Yeah, thanks for having me. And credit here to my colleagues who have been covering this day in and day out and breaking a lot of news about the developments. I think it's important just to kind of look at the big picture here, which is that we've known for a while that as President Trump ripped up documents and um, staff had to tape it back together to try to comply with the Presidential Records Act. And this has come to light again because as the January 6th committee investigates the insurrection at the Capitol, they are searching for documents related um, to Trump and his aides' involvement in that, and in that process, finding documents that are ripped up, taped back together, or just not there at all. And so I think, you know, this is growing into a bigger investigation into what laws may have been broken. Um, and the biggest step is the National Archives um, making a referral to the Justice Department to further investigate whether or not they should open a, an investigation into um, the, this act or this behavior and whether or not it violated the law. Now, it's interesting because Trump at one point said that was left in those boxes found were just love letters between him and uh, Kim Jong-un, which is so interesting and disturbing because knowing how Hillary was literally raked over the coals, it was his entire 2016 presidential campaign uh, saying, where are her emails? then threatening to demand that she get locked up. She was dragged and she never even served as president. And it seems like he's getting away scot-free now, even though they've found 15 boxes that were obviously hidden. Why do you think that is? Yeah, look, I'm not, I, I, I can't ascribe motives or, or explain, you know, the, 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 how voters feel or, or, you know, we have seen this playbook from Trump countless times, right, that he has criticized others for behaviors that then he has done himself. Um, and, and so this is is n- not unusual uh, for the president's political uh, strategy, which is to kind of, you know, just go on to the next thing um, and, you know, blame others for, for actions that he's done. Uh, so, you know, it, it's hard to exactly ascribe why, um, you know, Hillary Clinton faced political um, punishment for uh, those actions, and, and Trump seemingly has not. But I, I, again, I think this is just the beginning. And so there continues to be investigations into this behavior, and we'll see whether or not the Justice Department moves forward with any sort of formal investigation. Um, but I, but I, I think it's important to emphasize that this is just the beginning uh, of the revelations in the process here. And, and that is really fascinating because it feels like we've been waiting forever for them to finally, uh, for, for those of us who are not Trump supporters, for them to finally like take him down for the things that we obviously know that he's doing that are, that are wrong. You know, the Presidential Records Act, of course, uh, states that, that the, all these documents, memos, letters and whatnot, uh, they go to the National Archives when a, when a president leaves the White House. So just the fact that he boxed him up and took him to Mar-a-Lago for any reason reasonable human being, I would think, would raise some red flags. And reasonable human beings, uh, we would think, would ask questions, right? And some of these senators who dragged Hillary um, and who were so adamantly against her in 2016 because of her handling of, of potentially, you know, uh, confidential emails and things like that, 
are not speaking up right now. A lot of Republican senators not saying a word about Donald Trump. Um, do we think that could change as more information comes out? Uh, or are they just going to toe the party line and, 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 and ride with their party? I mean, I think it's a similar dynamic that we've seen throughout Trump's presidency and, and in his post-presidency that there are some Republicans that um, are, are critical of, of his actions. Um, but for the most part, they uh, most Republicans are, are not willing to publicly disavow the president or his behavior or his actions. Um, and I think that is the, the playbook we have seen many Republicans take since he's left office as well. Um, and, and so I don't think it's a surprise that that we would see that that continue to be the case. Mm. Well, President Trump said that the reason he took those boxes was they were mementos. They were gifts. They were things that had been given to him. But uh, Bill and Hillary Clinton in 2001 had to return thousands of dollars worth of gifts they took when they left the White House. And so would it be something as simple as even if Trump is telling the truth, which you don't think he is, would he have to give back all the gifts? And mementos that he took also he would know that he's the president he ran for four years i mean he was in office for four years it just doesn't make sense yeah if, you know in, in the stories that my colleagues have done on, on this matter they've interviewed former trump white house staffers who said he just didn't care right he had you know a recognition of of the laws governing paper and 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 items in the white house um as they are the 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 property of the american people um but he he seemingly signaled to aides and and to staff that he didn't care about those rules um and so he proceeded as he did Mm. uh well we're going to continue this conversation thank you so much as russia claims that it's withdrawing some troops following drills around ukraine what does it mean for the american people are we going to war should we be afraid we'll continue this conversation in seven minutes The Morning Beat with A.J. Gibson and Michaela Gordon. Channel Q. I am American, American, American. Time for another round of Red, White & Q here on The Morning Beat. We're joined again by Tyler Pager, White House reporter at The Washington Post. Tyler, all eyes are right now on the border of of Ukraine and Russia. Uh, We're getting mixed messages right now. We're hearing from the Kremlin that they've they've pulled back some some of their troops, but then we're hearing from our own uh, government that that is very much not the case. Where do we stand right now? Yeah, I think that's what we're trying to figure out as well. Uh, You know, Russian leaders saying that they are withdrawing some troops from the border, but U.S. leaders uh, not so sure that that is the case. And I think there's some optimism that there is a diplomatic path forward to avert uh, an invasion from Russia into Ukraine. But it's a high-stakes environment right now, and, and I think the biggest thing is that uh, American leaders and, and, and NATO allies cannot be sure of what exactly Putin has planned. Um, they have, in the past few days, really raised uh, the alarm about an imminent invasion from Russia. The president of the United States, Joe Biden, saying yesterday it still remains an imminent threat, but Right now, it seems there's a little bit more optimism for diplomatic um, breakthrough. But again, I, I think the, the Russian government is quite unpredictable in their actions. And so uh, I don't think the U.S. government feels that, that we are uh, out of the way uh, on this at the moment. Well, there was an apparent cyber attack that hit Ukraine's defense ministry and armed forces and two Ukrainian banks. Now, they don't know who it was, but hello. Like, we all went to high school. Obviously, it's Putin. And, um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, how uh, does this affect America and our troops? Yeah, so the U.S. is not going to send troops into Ukraine or Russia, um, but we have deployed troops um, 
more troops into the region, 3,000 troops to Poland. Um, But I I think the broader point here is that um, this is part of the larger uh, foreign policy mantra that Joe Biden has put forth, which is this battle between autocracy and democracy. Um, Ukraine is a a country that has moved closer to the West in terms of its values in government. Um, And and so I think there's concern, um, a lot of concern about Russia uh, invading and and infringing on the territorial sovereignty uh, of a country um, because of its um, orient toward the West. Listen, I, I, I've got mixed emotions about Joe Biden. I voted for him and I do it again. And, and I think he is, uh, by and large, doing a, a good job for the things that I want as an American. However, I think we live in such a time that, I mean, democracy here in the United States is being challenged left and right. And and it sounds like we're also trying to fight to hold on to democracy developing in nations like Ukraine. What is the best outcome for Joe Biden? Like, What does he hope uh, that he can get out of this that might propel him and Democrats heading into the midterms? Yeah, I mean, I think there's always politics involved in any sort of foreign policy decision. But but for, you know, Biden, the Americans, for NATO, they see this as an existential threat for the sovereignty and territorial integrity of Ukraine. I, I think war is, 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 is not a good thing um, in terms of its outcomes and the deaths and destruction that it brings. But also politically, there could be some political consequences. In terms of, um, you know, gas prices could rise um, if if they implement if if Russia invades Ukraine, the U.S. and NATO allies will put will punish Russia with heavy sanctions, which could impact the global economy. Um, I think averting war, finding a diplomatic solution is both positive in the sense of avoiding death and destruction um, and also showing that diplomacy and and Biden's approach has worked. I I think that is part of the reason that we are seeing um, such rhetoric from the Biden administration about this issue is that they're really warning that this is imminently possible. I don't think I think they want Americans to be prepared that this is something that may very well happen and, and, and Americans should be prepared for that. Well, I think that uh, with your help, we feel more prepared. Uh, Thank you, Tyler Pager, White House reporter at The Washington Post. We know you're so busy, so thank you for making time for us this morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, All right, coming up, an Olympian we have had here on the show sliced the doping scandal with just two words. Find out who it was and what he had to say coming up in seven minutes. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medella, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It's one thing falling in love with a house, and quite another navigating the world of negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. Guidance from an agent who's a Realtor can make all the difference, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Good morning, B. Channel Q. 
It's time for another round of What's Poppin'. This one's an Olympic edition. Everybody's got their eyes on what's going on at the ladies' figure skating. Uh, and one American athlete has thoughts. Michaela, what's poppin'? Yeah, well, if you're not familiar with the story, Shikari Richardson was an incredible soon-to-be uh, Olympian. She's going headed to the Olympics. She was super fast. And unfortunately, after receiving some devastating news about her mother through a reporter that her mother had passed, she smoked a little weed and tested positive for marijuana in her system, which made her unable to perform in the Olympics, which was devastating. However, a 15-year-old from Russia has now tested positive for a drug that helps enhance her performance. Long story short, she's still able to compete in the Olympics. And well, she, now, Yeah, she won the short program last night. She's in first place right now. Yeah, but now uh, U.S. figure skater Adam Rapon, who's also been on this show, has labeled the women's figure skating competition at the 2022 Winter Olympics a complete joke uh, because of this situation in a series of tweets culminating with a F this Ripon argued that uh, Villieva is that how you say last yeah, name? Camilla Vili- uh, Villieva should, should be disqualified and banned from the games he also expressed empathy for the star skater laying blame on Russia which is very important of a distinction and I'm happy that he's saying it has nothing to do with this young girl everything to do but it's still wrong Russia. it's still wrong but she it shouldn't is compete absolutely still wrong but it's important that to a 15 year old we're differentiating this isn't your fault well yeah this can, is your team's fault. I say this all the time. We can walk and chew gum at the same time. Should she be allowed to compete? No. Should she be, you know, tortured for this? And should she be the one who suffers for this? No. She should get help, but she's going to go back to Russia, and they're going to do what they do, and they're going to toss her aside and crank out. In the, because right now, the Russian women are in first, second, and fourth. Like, they're the three best skaters in the world, and she's number one. And so it's interesting, and it's also fascinating to me that, like, the American women – this year are terrible, to be honest. We're in like 8th, 13th, yes, but or 15th I would also like to point out that, you know, Russia trains different than America. And also in America, we are very privileged, but also being in a global pandemic. I will tell you, and I feel like you'll agree, we literally talk about like the first year we ate Cheez-Its and wine. Everybody lost hope. Yeah. It felt like the world would never come together. And I feel like because of that, a lot of our athletes uh, lacked some training. I think I think that's kind of true. I think that following figure skating for like decades now, the women's program, the women's program has always been tough in Russia. The men are pretty terrible right now. The the best figure skater in the world by a lot is an American man. So in the men's, it's different. And in pairs, oftentimes, especially ice dancing and in women's, Russia just has a lock on this. And it's just so unfair. Well, it, it makes the entire competition seem invalid. I didn't even want to watch. I didn't care. Adam Rapon said none of this is fair. He agrees with you. He said you can be heartbroken for this 15-year-old girl and at yep. the same time be heartbroken that every other skater in this event will have to compete knowing that the competition is not clean. And I think that that's the perfect way to say it. I'll also say that my father's Russian and I wish I was an ice skater because I probably would have won. Coming up in the next hour report. <laughs> Did you say you probably would have won? Won what? The Olympics? Olympics. Yeah, duh. Sure. Uh, coming up, reports are showing we may have finally found a cure for HIV. So what will this mean for our community? We're having that discussion in 20 minutes. Good morning, B. Channel Q. Lots and lots of stories about HIV uh, remedies and prevention today on our show. It's a big, big day for the cause. And in about 15 minutes, we're going to be jo- uh, talking to a doctor uh, who's the director of the Division of AIDS for the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, uh, talking about the story about this woman, possibly the first woman in the entire planet, 
cured of HIV. What makes her case so special and significant? We're having that conversation coming up. But first, uh, also more news on the prevention of HIV in News on the Beat. What do you have for us? All right. Well, in a large clinical trial assessing Apertude, uh, Viv Healthcare's recently approved injectable drug as a form of HIV prevention. Seven participants contracted the virus despite receiving their injections on schedule. The new findings indicate that just as with those who take daily pills to prevent HIV, breakthrough infections are possible among people receiving Apertude. Now, Apertude is nevertheless so efficacious that the drug has the potential to end the HIV epidemic, particularly for people who are challenged with taking oral PrEP. The FDA approved Apertude for use as what's known as pre-exposure prophylaxis or PrEP against HIV uh, in December. The long-acting drug, which is meant to be injected every two months by a healthcare worker, joined two daily pills, Gilead Sciences, Truvada and Descovy, that were approved as PrEP in 2012 and 2019, respectfully. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, the headline's a little bit scary. People are getting this, you know, this injectable prep uh, and still testing positive for HIV. So that's scary. But just like we've learned through this pandemic with the vaccinations for COVID, breakthrough cases happen. Absolutely. And I think it's important that we need as many resources as possible when it yeah. comes to prep because unfortunately it is still so expensive. Mm-hmm. And I know so many of my uh, friends would really like to be on prep. But it's thousands of dollars if you don't have insurance. And um, that's got to be, it's a very defeating feeling. Yeah. And so as many options as we can have. Like what do you do when you want to make the right choice, the healthy choice, the safe choice, and then you're told, hey, it's going to cost as much as your rent. As much as your rent in a global pandemic. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just scary. It makes me feel so bad. So whatever we can do to broaden. Well, because um, here's the thing. If we can make make vaccines for COVID- free across the country around the world to protect everybody else we can do the same well that's why it still feels a little discriminatory do you know what i'm saying because it makes it it feel like you're dirty for having the type of sex you're having that might be considered high risk you you can't just find Mm -hmm. uh, a a proper cure so fine if you're you're going to live this alternative lifestyle and have these sort of sexual activities then you're going to pay for it literally literally Yeah. yeah All right, another news, Utah lawmakers advanced a proposal Monday to create a commission of political appointees to make decisions about transgender student athletes participating in youth sports. Diving into a heated debate that has taken place in dozens of Republican-led state houses. The idea is the latest attempt by Utah Republicans to add state oversight to youth sports and follows stalled efforts to pass an outright ban. Fights over bans in other state houses have become touchstones for the broader LGBTQ rights movement, sparking legal battles and outcry. Utah's proposed School Activity Eligibility Commission would create criteria and evaluate transgender student athletes' physical characteristics and how they compare to baseline ranges for their age and gender. Its decisions would determine which transgender athletes can participate in all gender-designated youth sports. The lawmakers have focused on the idea of transgender girls competing in leagues that match their gender identity. All right. Let's get into a little bit of weather. It's going to be a high of 66 in LA today, 75 in La Quinta, 75 in Cathedral City, 66 in Vegas, 75 in Houston, 75 in Palm Springs, and 48 in New York. 
Now, why don't you give us a vibe of the day, babe? Have a heart that never hardens, a temper that never tires, and a touch that never hurts. It's beautiful. Just be a good person. Try to be a good person. Yep, that's it. All right, coming up, reports are showing we may have finally found a cure for HIV. So what could this mean for our community? We have that conversation in seven minutes. Good morning, B. Channel Q. Could we be one step closer to a cure for HIV? That is the question everyone is wondering today as a news has broken that uh, for the first time possibly in, in the world, a female has been cured of HIV. Uh, here to explain uh, what this means and what it could potentially mean uh, moving forward is Dr. Carl Diefenbach, Director, Division of AIDS, National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Dr. Carl, thank you so much for being here. Um how excited are we about this, and, w- and what could this potentially mean? So uh, this is a, a step forward. Uh, it, as you said, it's the third case of cure. Uh, it's the first in a woman. And I think the interest, there are some very interesting parts of this that give us uh, reason for a degree of optimism. Which would be what? Is it the fact that she is a woman? Is it the fact that she's biracial? I know that she's also uh, receiving cancer treatment and HIV, so so it makes her it puts her in a little bit different category. But what stands out to you? What what excites you the most? So let's 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 unpack a lot of that. So the fact uh, so the the challenge has been for biracial people is getting access to transplants, mm. and the the method they used is in many ways tailored for uh, people that don't have a large community of people who've screened to um, serve as uh, for donors. Uh, the, this, is a, this treatment is only, should only be used when you have a lethal cancer like she had. Um, and the fact that she came through this relatively easily, I mean, um, the disease she had, acute myelogenous leukemia, is not anything, um, it's a major it's, it's a very lethal cancer, um, really points to this method of using something called cord blood with um, uh, something called a haploidentical stem cell transplant, which is a lot of complicated words, but it, it simplifies the access to donors. And I think that that is an important point for community is that if you are biracial or if you're community is not well represented in the donor pools, there are options available to you. So this is uh, uh, gives people hope. Well, this is amazing to me because I feel like women all a day, every day for thousands of years, thousands of times a day, uh, have children where the umbilical cord is cut and you get rid of them. The dad gets to brag or maybe the mom gets to brag. You look at your belly button for the next 80 years. You're like, my dad cut it. That's how I feel. It's a personal story. Never thinking that this could be one of the cures to curing HIV. Does this help side Scientists really start exploring more of the human body and seeing that things that already are inside of us could really be a cure to such things as HIV. Yes, and I think the important thing is about 1% of the American public have the appropriate um, uh, genetic makeup to serve as donors. They have a specific um, uh, set of mutations for fancy words or Delta 32 CCR5, meaning they are resistant genetically to HIV infection. Wow. So a donor has to have that, the, the, the cord blood would have to have that. And so about one in a hundred or so cord bloods would have that. So getting oh cords, more cord bloods banked, more code cord bloods 
typed, meaning they know exactly whether they have this or not, would make this a little bit more accessible. Wait, okay, uh, so, so yes, so, there's a lot of cord blood that gets thrown away. So just so I can understand this, are you saying that one in 100 women are because of the umbilical cords, or one in 100 people have something in their blood that could be used to help others? One in 100 people wow. are, are genetically resistant to HIV. Wow. I would like to ask you, I've done a lot of like blood type diets. I'm a blood type O. And so I know for me, for example, like I do really well with meat. So being a vegan just didn't match up with me. Is it a blood t- type thing as well? Can we just say, okay, blood type O's are the blood that are resistant to HIV? Or is it blood type A? Or do we not know that yet? We know that there's no um, linkage to blood type for this kind of resistance, a very specific marker or a protein called CCR5 that's on white blood cells. It's, it's nothing to do with red cells, which are where the ABO blood types reside. Okay, so so how far, in, in your estimation, would you, would you think, is this something that maybe a year, five years, ten years down the road, it becomes commonplace for us to be able to get tested, know who can help, and then give back to those who need? Is that is that something we could be looking at in the future? As of right now, you could be tested and could serve as donors. Oh, wow. Oh, my wanted. God. That is, that is something actually community could do in a big way is go get tested. If you're Delta 32, um, um, bank, you know, participate. You know, being an organ donor, being a marrow donor is part of giving back to community. That, and you never know how your, your sample will be used. But, mm. you know, you've then made a contribution. First wow. of all, that's so, iconic. nothing else. And I've never heard of that. Now, is it a thing where we've talked a lot about bisexual and gay men are unable to donate blood? Are they able to go and be tested to see if their umbilical cord... Not umbil- or, but their blood, their if they're blood, the right blood type. Or it, the right, yeah. Does it work for that? Right. Again, it doesn't... Again, your HIV status is irrelevant. There's a high... So actually, this is really important. If you're a gay or bisexual man... Um, and have been practicing, um, uh, in a, being a practicing MSM, and you are, have this mutant mutations. You're probably you are genetically resistant to HIV, so you're probably walking around protected. And wow. I think that that and identifying and there's there's people who I've had several people call me and say I have this type of uh, mutation. I have the Delta 32. How can I help? And I say go get typed. Um, feel like you're available for um, for a, as a as a donor. So that's something very practical community could do to help facilitate uh, research advance in this area. Well, we just had a conversation also in in our news uh, talking about prep, and it's now it could be taken as an injection, um, and just broadening the conversation about prep, how expensive it is. If all of this actually does work out, people can get tested. We understand what blood types or body types cannot uh, cannot contract HIV. Could this also cut the usage of prep, which essentially would save a lot of people money? Um, I think they're two separate things. We need to make my my opinion is prep should be free. Amen. Well, we of all course, agree with unfortunately, that. So it's just not. I'm very aware of that, and my organization did the studies that got prep licensed, and so I feel very strongly that um, prep, like birth controls, is a strong preventive measure. Um, you know, birth control prevents pregnancy, and it's available through Obamacare, through the ACA, is free. We need to do the same thing for PrEP. 
Well, Dr. That is a personal opinion. Dr. Carl Diefenbach, uh, thank you so much for not just for that personal opinion, but for your expertise and, and your work in this field. Uh, we appreciate you so much. Director, Division of AIDS, National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. We hope you'll join us again because we're, we're absolutely sure this is not the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very much you know just the beginning, and we can't wait to see what sort of exciting things come down the pipe. You know my phone number. Amen. All right, coming up, what if your platonic friend is also your sugar daddy? Do you owe them anything in return for their good deeds? We'll discuss in seven minutes. Now, I just want to start off by saying I've never had a sugar daddy. That doesn't mean I haven't been open to it before. I know. I want one so bad. I never have. I've had a tendency to break or to date the most broke people ever. I know I'm the rich one in the relationship. Well, no, not Zadie Lee says, but I mean, yeah, your your partner owns multiple houses, so I think you got that one a little bit wrong. But no, but I still pay all my own bills. I make all my own money because of my own work ethic and morale. I wish I didn't have any morale. I wish I didn't have any integrity. Yeah, but that doesn't make you a sugar daddy if you pay your own bills. Now, if you were paying all of her bills and then also mine, I'm saying it doesn't make her a sugar daddy because I take care of all of my stuff and we split everything. Right? Well, let's talk about sugar daddies and sugar mamas. Let's do it. Uh, is it is one. it something that <laughs> Uh, if you feel like somebody is constantly, let's say, picking up the bill, you're going out to fancy restaurants or things like that, uh, does it make you feel like either you owe them something or that they want something more than just a platonic friendship? Does it make you feel obligated to them in some way, shape, or form? Um, no. I think a friendship is like uh, in tears. I think that if I'm richer than the friends I'm going out with, I'll always cover them. Because I know what it feels like to not have the money and to still want to do things. I love that you use the word richer. It's not a big deal. (laughs) I just love the word rich. But then when I have friends that are richer than me, I feel like they always take care of me. And I feel like that's how it just goes in my life. Like, if you're not doing well, I've got you. My friends that make more money than I do always got me. And then in times when I'm doing really well, I've got them, even if they do have a lot of money. And I think it's nice because, honestly, for me, when I'm able to take care of people's stuff, it it genuinely makes me feel good. Like, I don't feel bitter. I don't feel weird. You're like like me that way. You'll pick up the tab every single time if you can. I love it. Love to. If I have it, I got it. Here's my thing. So when I was in my 20s, I had a group of friends and with my ex-boyfriend, and there were some very, very wealthy gay men in that group, and they would just pay for everything. We would have... You know, forty, fifty thousand dollar dinner parties on a Tuesday night. We would go. We went to Europe. Went to Italy for a couple of weeks. Went to Capri. Went yachting. Uh, spent a bunch of time on the Amalfi Coast and, and Sorrento and Positano and just like the most incredible trip. I remember staying at this villa for a few days, and our champagne bill was twenty four thousand dollars. I remember that just because one of the, one of the friends was also sort of like Loki, the assistant to the gay to the the wealthy man, right? Mm-hmm. You know this guy; he's a common friend of ours. Uh, his initials are AG, and I remember him saying that, and I think thinking to myself, I'm so uncomfortable because these guys have paid for everything, right? And the rest of the group that we were with, uh, I mean, there was there was some drugs and partying going on on the trip, and I'm not into that at all. And neither was my partner. Yeah, and and he wasn't basically because I he was with me. He maybe in another scenario might have been. But I remember feeling just so uncomfortable every time, like having a hard time accepting like, oh, wow, I can get anything. Yeah. You paid for my flight. You paid for my trip. You paid for all my food and my beverages the entire time, and I can't pay you back at all. So as I got older, I think I made a habit of being friends with people that are either at my level financially or just below my level financially 
so that I could feel like I'm giving something to the relationship. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because I recently had this guy who's a friend of mine and Lisa's, um, and we've worked together. He gave me a large sum of money to put into my album. And he said, listen, I just lost my mother. The fact that you lost your grandmother and you want to make all this music for her is really special to me and me and my wife just want to like support you. And I had a lot of feelings about that because listen, as much as I joke around, I'd love to have a sugar daddy, but I'm very proud. Mm. I'm a very proud person. So I would never take money from a man just to help succeed or a woman to succeed in my career. I'm proud to know that I did it myself, right, wrong, or indifferent. However, I ran into a friend of mine who uh, is a celebrity hairstylist and I was telling him the story and he said, Michaela, the biggest lesson I ever learned was from a client and the client ended up tipping him a lot of money and continues to tip him a lot of money. And he said, you know, I used to feel guilty and say like, no, 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 I I literally can't take this. Like, it's all good. And finally, the client was like, I make a lot of money and I have the money to be able to tip you what I'm tipping you. And if it's a lot of money to you, great. But it's not for me. If I couldn't do it, I wouldn't. And I want you to have it because... I also don't have uh, children. I also don't have a spouse. Mm -hmm. And I have all of this money. And oftentimes, which he explained, was that people that do very, very well, that don't have a family or relationship, oftentimes when they pass, their money just goes to a charity. Well, it's or like the it story we nothing. did of the old, the older gentleman right. who adopted, adopted the, the 20-some-year-old kid yes, recently. Yes, yeah. yes. And so I think that it's almost kind of selfish of us or of people to be like, oh, no, I can't take that. Like, but they want to give it to you. Like, when I want to give, I'm not going to give like $10,000, but if I want to give you a couple, $500 or something, mm-hmm. if you said no to me, that hurt my feelings. Because I'm like, I love you. I want you to have it. Yep. I want this to support whatever you're doing. I see that as an adult now that, I, now that I'm in my 40s. I actually do see it that way. And I wish, I wish somebody would try to be my sugar daddy now. A platonic oh, sugar daddy. I would, da- I, would I would take it in a heartbeat. I would take <laughs> your money right now. I don't, I don't mind if you have an extra few Gs sitting around. You want to pay off my student loans, whatever. I'm down for it. I uh, I think I think it's the expectation of something else that has always been an issue for me. But also, uh, uh, sometimes there's nothing. Sometimes there's no expectation. Sometimes. sometimes it's just people being like, "Hey, I believe in you." Honey, I, I was want a, you to do I was, okay. I was a bartender in West Hollywood throughout my twenties, and that didn't happen very often. It was a lot of older men and younger boys, and they were very much kept boys. And we've all seen that play out a million times over and over. Uh, go to Palm Springs, you can see it left and right. But I, I, I now that I'm in my forties. I'm telling you, daddies, if you want to spend some money on me, I'm happy to take your at gifts. At AJ Gibson, at Michaela Gordon. Venmo me, PayPal, mm. whatever you want. I'm We're down. Starting, do you want to start on OnlyFans? We can stay fully dressed in turtlenecks. I told you OnlyFans reached out to my fiance twice. Yeah, but they didn't reach out to me. And I'm saying, would you like to, for us to reach out to them in turtlenecks and say, hi, yeah. we host the Morning Beat on Channel Q. That's, that's We're having a, those tough sounds, conversations. Sounds like a winning strategy. In turtlenecks. The Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela, Channel Q. It's time for another round of What's Poppin'. Michaela, what do you have? All right, well, we have not had a lot of great news coming out of the Olympics. We just did a story earlier. If you missed it, Adam Rapon is speaking. You can always download our podcast at odyssey.com. But Simone Biles is, uh, she's won more than just a gold medal. She's won uh, Jonathan Owens, her now fiance's heart, as she shares a close-up of her dazzling engagement ring. Uh, They got engaged on Valentine's Day. Uh, She made a very sweet Instagram post Tuesday in which she revealed her stunning ring. Now she's 24, her now fiance is 26, 
And um, he proposed to Simone with an oval-shaped diamond set on a diamond-paved band. Uh, and it's just beautiful. Uh, she wore a black mini dress, black-heeled sandals. He wore a suit and black sneakers and got down on one knee. And she's just glowing. And I think this is really amazing for Simone Biles. Not only is she one of the most phenomenal athletes, she's one of the bravest as she came forward to speak about the sexual abuse that she and her other former Olympians um, dealt with, which is very difficult, uh, something that no one should ever have to do. The amount of pressure that was on her and her teammates uh, trying to represent America while being sexually abused by their coach at such a young age and watching how the Me Too movement really became such a revolution. It's great to see that she has found love, she's moving on, and she seems to be so happy. So it's great news. They are a beautiful couple. Beautiful. His dimples are cute. Yeah, they're so cute. She's gorgeous. We already knew that. I've never seen him before. They look great together. Yeah, I love them together. She's also so tiny, which I think is so cute. She's like 4'8". She's not even that tall. Well, of course, she's a gymnast. No, but I'm saying. Have you seen me try to do a flip or a cartwheel? It's insane. <laughs> Never. Yeah, I think you're really good, too. Well, congratulations to the little beauty. Uh, we're wishing you all the best. Now, coming up in our final hour, everyone deserves a home-cooked meal. And this organization is helping feed our black trans brothers and sisters. Find out how you can help coming up in the next hour. The Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela. Channel Q. Christians are at it again, and their target is our community. Michaela, what's going on in News on the Beat? Oh, God. Poor Christians. Just leave us alone. Over 2,500 Christian ministers uh, signed letter demanding right to practice conversion therapy. Thousands of Christian pastors um, want to be able to make this happen. Now, the UK Parliament is considering a ban on conversion therapy, a practice that has been denounced by mainstream mental health professional organizations as damaging to LGBTQ people, but a group of 2,546 Christian ministers has written a letter to Minister for Women and Equalities, Liz Truss, arguing that trying to change one's sexual orientation is part of their religion, referring to LGBTQ people as people who have different experience and views, including same-sex attraction and forms of gender transition. The letter says that the ministers actually love and respect them. They just believe that Jesus wants them to undergo conversion therapy. We see in these proposals a clear possibility that our duty as ministers of proclaiming the lordship of Jesus Christ and calling people to find life in him, which includes living by his laws, will be criminalized, the letter states. The letter even goes so far as to claim that Christian parents will face prosecution for rejecting their LGBTQ children if the bill passes. I will tell you there's still at least 13 states that allow conversion therapy. We've had guests on that have experienced conversion therapy and they torture them I mean from holding their face to ice um, to holding them down at one point grown naked men laid with young naked children to prove a point disgusting Um, I mean as far back as 1997 the American Psychiatric Association uh, released a fact sheet saying that there's literally no published scientific evidence supporting this sort of therapy and Yet, six, there's 698,000 LGBTQ adults in the United States. Almost 700,000 have gone through conversion therapy. And in what it leads to, 8.4 times more likely to report having attempted suicide after leaving of conversion course. therapy. I mean, eight times more likely but what because of the therapy. I mean, you're literally being, you're being not only triggered, you're being tortured for being something that you cannot help. 
and you're being told that God is hates you for it. I mean, yeah, that makes sense that you wouldn't want to live. It's devastating. We need to get a hold on it. And I think that, you know, if parents think that this is an acceptable way of teaching their children not to be gay, I think that the parents need to be uh, punished. I mm. think that they need to have their faces held against ice. I think that they need to lay with old, naked men. I mean, it's just gross. I, I remember... Um few years ago, the movie, the film Boy Erased came out uh, starring Russell Crowe and Nicole Kidman. And I went to the premiere of it with my partner. And it was such an emotional night. It was. It's about a true story uh, about conversion therapy uh, and and sort of the practices that were done here in the United States for many, many years in the churches and elsewhere, right? And they had partnered with the Trevor Project, and the Trevor Project is doing like a, I think it's called a 50 and 50 campaign or something like that, mm. where their their aim is to get all 50 states to make it completely illegal. And they're still working on that, and they're getting closer and closer. But yet here we are, and you're hearing 2,500 ministers, you know, in the UK, I believe, are saying, we want, we want to be able to legally practice this. We want the right to do so. That is so... It's so damaging. When every yeah. bit of evidence is showing you to the contrary, they still think, oh, yeah, we need to go do this. Well, you know, our producer sort of went off on a tangent very understandably, but as much as people associate with uh, Christianity, Christians and religious people are some of the most evil people I've ever come across. And to hide behind religion, the Bible, uh, feels very cowardly to me. I have no sympathy for it. It's cruel. Um, and I will never Listen, sit by Listen, I believe in God. I go to church. My partner and I are very... Very faithful young men and 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 young. I said the word young. Uh, I was baptized again as, a, as an adult a few years back, and we don't even use the word Christian anymore. And that's sort of a recent because once again, uh, it's been hijacked, and there's such hatred in the Christian community. And we 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 have our beliefs, we have faith in in God or in something bigger than ourselves, but. Christians got a bad rap, and they're not doing a whole lot to fix that. I know that's right. All right, let's get into some weather. It's going to be 66 in L.A. today, a high of 66 in Vegas, 75 in Palm Springs, 72 in La Quinta, and 75 in Cathedral City. Let's go to Palm Springs. I want to go to Palm Springs. I haven't been in so long. I love it there. All right, give us the vibe of Zada. Have a heart that never hardens, a temper that never tires, and a touch that never hurts. Love that. All right, coming up, everyone deserves a home-cooked meal, and this organization is helping feed our black trans brothers and sisters. Find out how you can help coming up in seven minutes. The Morning Beat with AJ Gibson and Michaela Gordon. Channel Q. Welcome back to The Morning Beat as we continue honoring Black History Month. It's so important to highlight uh, black organizations that are doing the work for our community. And one of those is the Okra Project. And here to, uh, to tell us about the Okra Project and how you can get involved is Dominique Morgan. Uh, she's an award-winning artist, activist, and TEDx speaker, also mm-hmm. the executive director uh, for the Okra Project. Dominique, thank you for being here. Um, the Okra Project is special. Why? The Okra Project is special. Um, one, it's one of the largest organizations in the country serving our community, founded by someone from our community, the incredible Ian Field Stewart. And more than anything, we're on the ground. We're on the front lines, and we have this great approach where we are implementing community voice to create immediate action, and we are seeing results 
from the work that we're be, we've been able to do over the last three years. Something that the Okra Project is doing uh, is bringing home-cooked, healthy, and culturally specific meals and resources to black trans people. And I think that we talk about this a lot on our morning show. You know, black trans women really are killed uh, you know, uh, over 150 black trans women were killed last year. So you don't even start to think like, are they eating and are they eating well? Everybody deserves proper nourishment. So for people listening, if they want to help the Okra Project continue doing these things, what are some things that our listeners can do? Well, first of all, thank you for saying that. I think it's really important to state that Historically, when we haven't had the support of a safe space to live, food that is nourishing not only to our bodies, but our minds and our spirits, community care and love, that we're positioned to be impacted by the systems that are taking our lives. So there are ways that we can dismantle that experience. And the first thing you can do is if you have black trans folks, black trans women who are in your world, in your community, love on them, reach out to them check on them, make sure that they understand that they're loved and cared about. Um, absolutely go to the okraproject.com and come look at our work. Come see the initiatives that we have going on. We're about to launch our therapy program where we're going to offer therapy at no cost wow. to black trans people all across the country. And then look at other organizations that are in your area, whether it's House of Tulip with Mariah Moore or the Transgender District in San Francisco. There's incredible work happening for black trans people all across the country we are just underfunded and underrepresented so those are three great ways to show up for your people i i I love that and i love it's super super important to you know talk about those numbers the tragic numbers of lives lost but it's also super important i think on the other hand uh to 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 remind listeners or sometimes let listeners know for the first time that listen trans women trans women of color are also beautiful and vibrant and living their fullest lives what are some of the blessings that you've received just out of working in on this project and working within your community? I, for me, I, I turned 40 on March 19th. Mm. Um, and when you look at the data, also today, 13 years ago today, I walked out of prison after wow. 10 years. Congratulations. Right? Someone, uh, Congratulations. Uh, I mean, so, that's, that's worth commending. Thank you so much. But a young person who grew up in the system to have been able to get a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, to have been able to have the access I've been able to have. It's been about community caring and seeing me as someone who deserves love and care. And it's not that we should have to earn it. Everyone deserves love and care. Right. Um, and, And so that's what I've seen is that I've had the chance to work hard to build my best life. And I believe that if we do that work for everyone, they will have the same opportunities. And so I, I, all the people who love and care about me and who amplify my story and all those things, do that for the black trans folks in your life. Mm. Do that for the people whose stories may not be perfect, but their stories are still happening. And as long as your story is still happening, the ending is still undecided. Uh, we're joined with Dominique Morgan, executive director, um, and discussing the Okra Project. Now, you mentioned that you, 13 years ago you walked out of prison. Uh, from stories that we've reported, black trans women are completely unsafe in prison, but also 
not nourished. The food there that we have been able to see just even on television doesn't look good. It's not healthy at all. As we know, it's so important for your brain, your heart, your liver to be nourished, uh, which is why we go back to the Okra Project. Is that one of the reasons uh, that inspired you to make sure that our trans brothers and sisters are eating well because we're not nourished in America? Absolutely. Our trans siblings and, and people, especially when we look at mass incarceration or even people who are being impacted by homelessness, we're like, oh, take whatever you can get. But we all know the better we eat, the better we function, right? If you, if all you ate were donuts all day because that's what you had, could you think well? Could you navigate? Th- would your body be able to process that? So we want people to have things that are not only nutritious for them, but also folks who are living with HIV and AIDS inside of these facilities, they need a certain level of nutrition. If you're on hormones, if you've had surgeries, we know what it takes for your body to bounce back. And it's all about what you put in your body. So this isn't about putting people in a country club. This is about saying we want people to get healthy. And also let me just name that most people who are incarcerated are adolescents, meaning they are between the age of 15 to 24. Mm. Their brains and bodies are still growing. So if you have a 21-year-old black trans woman, which is what I was in 2002 inside of a prison, and I'm eating burritos and donuts and ramen all day, Mm -hmm. you ask, how are we really making sure that pe- these people can become their best selves? Dominique, you are so incredible. I just, I also want to point out, I'm on the website right now. Once again, theokraproject.com. If you want to find ways you can support, uh, head over there right now. Um, that I, and I didn't know this, and I feel bad that I didn't know this, but but okra was basically brought here from Africa as 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 you know your African ancestors were being enslaved and brought to the Americas and brought to other regions uh, to to work as slaves. Okra was snuck onto many of those ships uh, to sustain those Africans and, and, and then planted here in the United States, which is why there's such a, a deep love for okra in the South. So I just wanted to call that out because I think words matter and stories matter and heritage and history really matters. So just the fact that you, you're called the Okra Project, I just think is so beautiful and I wanted to commend that. Thank you so much, AJ. Mm. Dominique Morgan, you're welcome on this show anytime. Executive Director of both Black and Pink National and the Okra Project. For more information, go to www.theokraproject.com. Listen, in the pandemic, I eat Cheez-Its and ramen every day, and I had the privilege to say, oh, I don't feel good anymore, and have a green juice. We all know how it feels to not feel nourished and when it's time to quit. So please head over to theokraproject.com to help our Black trans people. Thank you again. Dominique. Thank you all so much. Have a great day. You, you too. too. Tell me something good. We're going to keep honoring our uh, queer black trailblazers all month long. Today we're shining an extra little bit of light on Miss Major Griffin Gracie. Uh, as a black transgender woman and activist at the forefront of the fight for trans rights, she faced many hurdles during her life, including homelessness and incarceration. I can't even imagine. And it's these challenges that fueled her activism. In 2005, Miss Major joined San Francisco-based Transgender Gender Variant and Intersex Justice Project, the TGIJP, as a staff organizer and later as executive director to lead the group's efforts advocating for incarcerated trans women. She has often spoke out against the prison system, which she says contributes to the incarceration of transgender individuals, particularly trans people of color and those with low incomes. 
Uh, now 79 years old, Miss Major, known to many simply as Mama, resides in Little Rock, Arkansas, where she continues to be a vocal activist. Okay. Little Rock, Arkansas. Okay. Woo. Trailblazer. All right. This story is also incredible. A Singapore television broadcast about the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing with two men kissing each other in the background has gone viral in the country where consensual same-sex sexual relations remain criminalized. A CNA reporter was covering the opening ceremony from a bar filled with cheering fans in Beijing when two men in the background stole the show. When they kissed each other during the live broadcast, audiences and the internet cheered the kiss and hailed it as defiance of Singapore's discriminatory law against the LGBTQ plus community. Now, I will say, as fabulous as I think this is, and as much as I adore these two gay men, that's very much still a reality. Being gay in other countries is extremely illegal. And just kissing another man on live TV could cost them not only, you know, prison time, death, ridiculous penalties. Because they were actually in Beijing at the time. It's a, it's a live feed from Beijing. Um, and that could be that could be scary stuff. Absolutely. But I will say that I do think that it's iconic uh, that they did do that and they took the chance. It has been viewed 1.5 million times on TikTok, of course. Uh, the channel did remove the reporting from its website, but people have already seen it. That's the beauty of the Internet. Uh, and that's it for Tell Me Something Good. Thank you to all of our guests today. Tyler Pager, White House reporter from The Washington Post, uh, joining us to have a really great conversation. We have a great show for you tomorrow. Why are people late? Is it a scientific imbalance in people's brains that they just can't stay on time? It's a pet peeve of mine, and I know it is of AJ's as well. We will discuss that, but for now, please enjoy three hours of delicious music coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.